All right, I will say good evening. Good evening. Sorry about the, uh, the change in schedule for this week. But let's, uh, let's continue. So the first thing we're doing is we're finishing up Gemara Makomos from last week's shir. I believe it was Choresh part two. We left off on source number 13. So that's from last week. I just reposted that source sheet in the chat. So you could see that in the WhatsApp group. Again, so source number 13. So I'll say, so remember again, let's actually go back for a moment just to source number 12. Again, from last week. So Shulchan Aruch writes as follows. And I will say we are finishing up tonight in Merz Hashem, the Malacha of Choresh. So the Shulchan Aruch writes as follows. He says, Tit sha'al raglo o al minalav. If a person has mud on his shoe or on his foot, so what's the halacha? Mekancho bakosav alo You can wipe your foot off or your shoe off on the wall, but not on the ground. Dilma asila gumo. So the first of you in the Shulchan Aruch says, yeah, again, I will say it's a very common case. A person has mud on their shoe. I want to wipe the mud off my shoe. So again, I want to scrape the mud off. So what do you scrape the mud off on? So the Shulchan Aruch says, you could scrape your, the mud off against the structure, against the building, against the wall, but you can't scrape your shoe against the ground. Why not? What are we concerned about? We're concerned that in the act of, of scraping your foot against the ground, you're going to come to go ahead and level out the ground. And of course, again, leveling out the ground, remember again, in the inside of the house is bona. Outside of the house is going to be choresh. So we'll say that's the first thing in the Shulchan Some say that you're not even allowed to scrape your foot against the wall. Scrape your shoe against the wall. And some say that both are permitted, both against the wall as well as against or on the ground. Fine. So let's analyze this. So we left off. So that's, that's the source we left off with in last week's shear. Let's continue now in number 13. So we'll say, so again, essentially two different opinions. Two different opinions, right? Actually, there's really three opinions. Opinion number one is you can scrape your feet against the wall, but not against the ground. Okay? Opinion number two Ultimately, you can't even scrape your foot against the wall. And opinion number three, you can scrape your foot against both. So what's going on over here? Let's take a look at the Mishnah number 13. Mishnah says, Now, reason number one, or I should say approach number one, is intuitive, as the Shulchan Aruch spells it out. Well, what was the logic there? The logic in approach number one is, when you go ahead and you scrape your foot against the wall, or I should say against the ground, there's a general concern of Ashvuye Gumos, of leveling out the ground. That same concern, of course, doesn't apply when scraping your foot against the wall. That's the logic of the first opinion. What's the logic of the second opinion that says that you can scrape it against the wall? So here the Mishnah Buddha says in number 13, So the idea over here is scraping your foot against the wall has the appearance of what? Of boneh. Of bona, in other words, the act of putting mud against the wall would have the appearance ultimately of strengthening the wall. So that's the logic of the second opinion. So second opinion would say you can't scrape your feet against the ground lest you come to level out the ground. You can't scrape your feet against the wall because it looks like you're strengthening the structure. Okay, what about the third opinion that says that it's mutter to do both, to scrape it against the wall and scrape it against the ground? So that's source number 14. That's the Mishnah Bura. He says, So the third opinion says like this. The third opinion says like this. I'm not worried about you scraping it against the wall. Why? No one's going to think that's building. No one builds like that. No one builds like that. So that's not building. Furthermore, again, the third opinion says, 
we're not concerned. Even if you scrape your foot against, against the ground, we're not concerned that you're going to just automatically come to smooth out the ground. So the third opinion essentially says, there's nothing to worry about. There's no binyan, right? There's no building because nobody builds like that, scraping mud against the wall. And I'm not worried about hashvaz, gumos, about leveling out the ground because again, you'll be careful. You'll be careful. Now look what he writes. He says, Umikal makom, afilu ledidot, tzarech lizar, kemishanech bekarka, shaloi kanech bemakom gumosh aydezei yishabana. Now Mishabura does say, that's fine, but if you are scraping the mud off your shoes by scraping your foot against the ground, make sure to do it in an area where there is not a depression in the ground. Because obviously, again, if you do that, you're going to end up leveling it and it's going to be problematic. Look how he ends. So now what do we do with this? What do we do with this? One of these interesting halachas in Shulchanach. Three different opinions. Again, opinion number one. I will say, this, this happens. This, you know, you know, in our Yarche Kala, one of the... Uh, one of the, I, I, one of the Funny, I don't know what the right word is. Funniest, just entertaining, is we went to, what was the place we went to? Arugot Farm. Arugot Farm. Right? And, and we got out, and literally the whole place was mud. The whole place was mud. So the contrast between Americans and, you know, hardened Israelis was very, right? Our greatest issue was how do we get the mud off our shoes, right? Meanwhile, again, these guys are surrounded by like hostile neighbors on every single, on every single. And we're thinking, oh, I just bought these shoes. I just bought these shoes. All right. And then, so also, so this, this is, this is, however, a very Lamaisa case. So what do you do in a situation like this where you literally have three different opinions? Again, opinion number one, can scrape it against the gra- wall, not against the ground. Opinion number two, can't scrape it on either. Opinion number three, can scrape it on both. So what do we do? So here the Mishnah Buddha said, say number 14, source number 14. Three lines are from the bottom. Uleinian halacha. So halacha lemaisa. What do we do? He says uleinian halacha taz kasov de bemidi derabanan yesh lismoch alamakilin demuter bishnehan. So the taz says, look, what are we dealing with over here? This is all dine derabanan, all dine derabanan, right? So because it's all dine derabanan, the taz says there is no problem with relying on a lenient opinion. So therefore, the taz seems to side with approach number three. Then Allah see you can scrape your you can scrape your shoes both on the ground as well as on the wall. However, the Ishmanachorim Shasovrim, the Nachon Lahachmir, Laesar Bishnehem. That's interesting. So then the Mishnah says, but there are those who say you really should be machmir and not scrape your feet either against the wall or against the ground. Alright, so so now the Mishnah says, okay, Shkayach. So what do I do with this now? He says, Venira, the Bekosal Vada Yishlo Yish Lismoch Lahat Yakidasa Machaber, Shekane Das Rov Harishon. So we'll say so the Mishnah Bura, the Mishnah Bura really seems to say like this. Mishnah Bura really seems to say like Meikaradin, you should be Meiko. Meikaradin, I will say, which, which makes sense also because that's the Psak of the Ramah. Right, the Ramah himself quotes the Rush, and the Ramah himself says, "There's no problem. You can scrape your feet, you can scrape your shoes against the ground, or against, of course, in the ground. Just be careful not to level anything out, and against the wall." The Mishnah himself seems to end, and that's that's the way the Taz understands as well. But the Mishnah himself seems to indicate that halacha lemaisa, don't do it against the ground, but you can do it against a wall. So we'll say, this is a very Lamaisa case. I'm walking on Shabbos, I get mud on my shoes. It's natural, I want to scrape off the mud. So again, it would seem to me that the Mishnah preference would be, scrape it against the wall, do not scrape it 
Do not scrape it on the ground. But again, it is important to nevertheless note, and we'll actually take a look at number 15. So the Kitzer, Kitzer Shulchan Aruch, number 15 says as follows. Again, this is last week's source packet still. He says, So this is interesting. The Kitzer himself, the Kitzer himself is Machmir. And the Kitzer himself says, you know what, ideally, ideally, Best not to go ahead and scrape off your shoes, neither on the ground nor on nor on the nor on the wall. He says, what about if it is extenuating circumstance? Kigon So this is interesting. He says, let's say however again a person steps in, in excrement or something else where there's a little bit of a greater urgency to remove it from your shoe. So in that case, interestingly enough, the Kitzer says, ideally, ideally, still best not to go, if, right, the, going in order, best then to go ahead and scrape it on, the, on, the, on a structure, on a wall, but not the ground. But if there's no wall to scrape it on, you can scrape it on the ground as well. So it's interesting. So again, the Kitzer, at bottom line, I'll say all roads kind of lead to the same place, which is this is a Dindir and therefore, again, there is a right to be makel on it. The question is, when can you be makel and how can you be makel? So, you know, ideally, the Kitzer says, best not to use the wall or the ground. Mr. Buddha himself seems to indicate, ends off by saying, you could use the wall, don't use the ground. But yet, bidi abed, if a person has mud or other stuff on their shoe, and they just have to go ahead and get rid of it, and your own right, and, and all your only options are the wall and the ground, so ideally, order is better to use the wall. But if you can't use the wall, you could use the ground. But of course, when using the ground, the caveat is, the caveat is, make sure not to do it in a way which is going to level anything out. So yeah, yeah, you do have to be cognizant of that. Try not to, not, try not to level out the ground. Okay, beautiful. Does pavement have been a hotel or ground? Is it a ground only like on, on, on dirt or grass where... So, so it would seem to you that for this halacha, pavement would have a different din, right? Pavement in general would. Pa- pa- general, when we've seen it, pavement generally has a din of karka, of of ground. That's usually how it's looked at. We saw this. We saw this before, and even with sweeping or things like that. But it would seem to be in a halacha like this, where there's so many inherent kulas to begin with, even scraping it directly on ground, you definitely can scrape it on pavement as well. Take a look at number sixteen. So the Ber Halacha writes as follows. Um, he says over here, So we'll say here, kind of just transitioning to a, to a different case, the Baraloch indicates over here that let's say a person is walking with a cane. And let's say the cane has a little bit more of like a pointed bottom on it. So therefore what happens? Every single time a person puts the cane down, there's a hole that's made in the ground. So that seems to be choresh. He says, Misamer literally means a nail. But it doesn't have to be a nail. It could be just anything that's pointy. He says, and he goes over here, So the Baralocha says that interestingly enough, if a person is walking with a cane, and the way the cane is, is that the cane is making a, a depression, not a depression is the wrong word, it's making a hole in the ground. So the Baralocha says, okay, it may be ideal to get a different kind of cane. As well, so going back to last week's shear, what kind of cane should you get? What kind of cane? Something that doesn't as much make a hole, rather it does what? 
makes a depression, right? It compresses the earth. That would certainly be ideal. But if, again, let's say, you know, that I have, the cane that I have is the cane that I have. So what do I do in that circumstance? Remember, again, we'll say we go back to the Prima Gaudim in number 17. So here, last week, according to the Berhalacha, but if you look at the Prima Gaudim in number 17, here's where all of this comes from. He says, Have psikreshe de lo mishum guma, Remember again, this was the concept. We saw this in last week's shear in source number six in the Shar Tzion, sorry. Where we had this concept ultimately again of a trade rabbanon, the psikresha delonechale. Which again, which is an interesting concept. So you have a psikresha delonechale, which means something that will definitively happen, but you don't want it to happen, right? I don't, I don't have any interest. So again, I'm walking with the cane. I'm walking with the cane. So now when I put down the cane, the cane is definitely going to make a hole in the ground. But I don't want the hole in the ground. So that's a psikresha delonechale. And plus it's a double derabanon. What's the double derabanon? Number one, the hole is being made with a shinui in an abnormal way. And number two, it's destructive in nature. It's makalko. So we saw this is the idea of the prima gaudim, that when you have a psikresha delonechale with a trade derabanon, one could be mako. One could be mako. So Yankee Stamen raised a very good point after, after last week's share that this is based on that logic that we seem to obviate almost all of the problems that we've brought up over the course of this, over the course of this malacha. And that's true. That is technically true, except again, we only use this prima gaudim when we have to. Right? So in other words, this prima gaudim would not be a heter for soccer, right? It wouldn't be a, so in other words, if we don't have to use, we don't have to use it. But in certain what we call like activities of daily living, so if you need to use the prima gaudim, you can. So just other examples of this. This is why if a person uses a cane, they're permitted to walk with a cane, even on wet soil, where let's say the person knows so sure that the cane is going to go ahead and make a hole. Why? Why? Psikresha delonechale with a trade rabbanon, right? Other examples. We'll say this actually comes up, or for that matter, again, for a woman with high heels, right? Could a woman wear high heels in a place where she knows the heel is going to sink into the, into the dirt, creating a hole? And the answer is yes. Psikresha delonechale with a trade rabbanon. Again, remember, it's, even though it's going to happen, I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. And number two, the hole that is created is destructive in nature and also created in an abnormal fashion. You put all that together, and because it's a normative act of walking, we see it's permitted. Other examples of this, I will say, let's say a person is sitting outside on Shabbos and I'm sitting in a chair, and I know that, I know that when I sit in this chair, when I sit in this chair, it's going to sink into the ground. Right, that's a little, all right, a little hyperbolic, not sinking to the ground, but you understand, like the legs, the legs are going to go into the ground. So am I allowed to do that? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Now again, could one make the argument that if you have a different chair that doesn't do that? Yeah, but again, I want to sit outside of my backyard. The ground is, the ground is wet. I'm allowed to sit in that chair, I, but it's going to create the furrow. Again, secretia delonechale with a trade rabbon. And also sometimes by the chairs, sometimes it's also not as much of an issue. Why? Because depending on the legs of the chairs, sometimes it more compresses the dirt then goes in and makes the hole, but technically would be permitted. All right, I will say, Mazel Tov, we finished the first malacha of the 39 malachas. Incredible, at this rate, we will be done in no time. In no time, Yeretz Hashem. So Mazel Tov, I'm finishing Choresh. This is probably one of our easier malachas that Yeretz Hashem we're going to do. And I will say, we come tonight, Yeretz Hashem, to begin the malacha of Zorea. Zorea literally means sowing or seeding. So let's take a look. Source number one. Same Mishnah that we opened up the previous Malacha with. The Mishnah says, Mishnah, So there are 39 Malachas, 40 minus 1, 
The first one listed in the Mishnah was Zoreh. Let's remember again, when we started Choresh, so we discussed the idea that really it makes sense that Choresh should come before Zoreh. Okay, so in any event, the Mishnah lists Zoreh first. Zoreh, so literally, literally translated, sowing. So we'll say, just, just to get our terms down, what does it mean to sow? Right? It means the act of putting seeds into the ground. Okay, so what is the malacha of Zoreh? Take a look at Rashi. First of all, where was Zoreh found in the Mishkan? Right? So remember, all malachos of Shabbos come from the Mishkan. So where was Zoreh found in the Mishkan? What would you say? What would you say? Right, so same, same thing that we saw by Choresh. Rashi says over here, number two, Shani. So Rashi, there are actually two ideas. Possibility one is for the dyes. Remember again, dyes come from herbs and different plants. The plants need to be planted, obviously, so there was Zorea. Remember again, also for the Lechem Aponim. For the Lechem Aponim, remember for the bread that is placed upon the Shulchan in order to go ahead and make bread. You need flour. Flour comes from wheat. You have to plant wheat. Okay, so what's our definition? What's our definition? So the Gemara Masechus Moed Kotten number three says the definition of Zorea is as follows: Ma darko shel Zorea litzamuche peira. So this is actually interesting. What what is Zorea? Zorea ultimately is litzamuche peira to cause something to grow. To cause something to grow. Okay. Rabbi Nuchananel and number four says kal dover shuhu mashbiach apri chayiv mishum Zorea. So let's just literally translate it. Anything that enhances the pre, the fruit, or the, the, um, the produce, ultimately is Chaim Yishim Zorea. So, we'll say, so this gives us, these two sources, number three, Gemara Mishra Hasmai Katan, and Rabbi Nechananel, give us a working definition. The definition of Zorea is any act which causes, facilitates, or improves the growth of a plant. That's Zorea. Any act which causes, facilitates, or improves growth of a plant, of vegetation, that is going to be the malacha of Zorea. Good. Well, obviously, we'll give, we'll give real life, obviously, we'll, so we'll give real life examples of this. What's the shear of Zorea? Remember, again, we'll say, so what's interesting about these malachas of Chorish and Zorea, every malacha has a shear, right? In other words, for example, right, for Hotza, for Hotza, what's the shear of Hotza for carrying on Shabbos? Right? If you carry two amas, you carry three amas. So again, you're not chayiv. You're not chayiv So what is the shear for zorea? So the Rambam writes as follows: Number five, he says, "Zorea kol shu chayiv." It's any amount. Well, as we both say, a person could take one little seed and drop that into soil, and that's zorea. And that's zorea. Or a person could pour a little bit of water. Onto a seed, onto the ground. That's zorea. A person, any, anything ultimately again, which causes, facilitates, or improves growth in, in any amount, even in the most minute amount, will ultimately be zorea. Now I will say. Now we come to a fascinating, a, a little bit of lumdus, but you're going to see. Yes, there is a shear. The shear is any amount. That's the shear. A kol Correct. 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 If any, any amount is the shear. In a halacha, there's always a shear. There's always a shear. Just for certain. By the way, same thing by chorish also. Right? So by chorish, you can make a whole of the tiniest size. That's called charisha. Which, which makes sense because you remember again, by Shabbos, or we'll say, by Shabbos, the whole yisod is in the malachas machshabs, in the constructive act. So one could perform a constructive act of zorea. By, by, by putting the smallest seed into the earth, by making the tiniest hole in the earth for Chorish. 
Shabbosai. So now we come to a really interesting machlokis over here between the Minchas Chinuch and the Sefer Tal Oros. So, Shabbosai, so again, remember, whenever we look at malachas, here's what we look at. We look at what is the malacha, where was it done in the Mishkan, what is the definition of the malacha, what is the shear of the malacha, and then ultimately, again, kind of the, the corollary of what is the shear is, at what point are you chayiv for transgressing the malacha? Now, often those two questions of what is the shear and when are you chayiv for transgressing are often the same question and answered the same way. But something fascinating happens over here by Zoraya. Look at number six. So the Minchas Chinuch writes as follows. He says, So I Listen to this. Here's what I know, right? The act of Zorea, literal Zorea, is sowing, is sowing. Now I will say, one thing we know with absolute certainty, when you put a seed into the ground, what happens? The moment you put the seed into the ground, what happens? Nothing. Nothing. The halacha understands that germination of the seed really only takes place after 72 hours. Three, three days, three days. Okay, whether it's 72 hours, 48 hours, you know, 84, whatever it is. But what I do know is when you place that seed into the ground, absolutely nothing is happening in that moment. So the same, so Minchas is something amazing. He says, Da'azria, first line number six, Da'azria, Shezara, Chayiv, Afbalo, Hishrish, Viniklat, Klau. So I'll say, the halacha by Zria, the unique interesting part by Zria is once you put that seed into the ground, and again, I'm just using putting seed into a ground as an example, but, but that's not the only example of Zriah. You, you have transgressed the malacha. Even though what? Even though what? The seed has not taken root, right? And has not done anything. He says, furthermore, he says, even though, Listen to this, I will say. Imagine the following scenario, right? It's Shabbos, afternoon. It's one of those long Shabbos afternoons. You've run out of stuff to do. So what do you do? You take a seed, you put it in the ground. Three seconds later, you take the seed out. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? You have violated Shabbos. You violate. You planted. You right. You sowed. You sowed a seed. But one second. I literally put it in, and then I took it right back out. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. The Sefer Achinuch says Yechayif. Yechayif. The malacha of Zorea is planting a seed into the ground, again, or again, any act which causes, facilitates, improves the growth of a plant. The act of putting the seed, even, and also I'll give you even a bigger example. That, that's an extreme example, me taking it out. I put a seed in the ground, a large wind comes and blows it right out. Blows it right out, I'm still chayiv. I'm still chayiv. Now, what, what the Minchasim brings up is something very interesting. It's below dummy, we're going to see, for example, there are other malachas. For example, baking. Baking. The halacha is if you put, let's say, dough into an oven on Shabbos, you're only chayyav for the malacha of ofa once there is some type of exterior crust. Which means that, technically speaking, if you were to take a dough, put it into an oven, and then pull it right out. Pull it right out. Or I'm about to say, anywhere else this could come up. Like if you were to take a food on Shabbos morning, and let's say put it right back on the fire, which you're not allowed to do, right? And I go ahead and I pull it right back off. If nothing happened, you haven't violated anything. So if I put the, if I put the dough in the oven and I take it out before the crust forms, I have not done anything. The Minchas Sinuch says, Zriah is different. He says, 
So the Minchasinuch introduces us to this idea that the Malacha of Zriya is the act of putting the seed into the ground. It's not, it's not what happens afterwards. It's actually interesting. It's not what happens afterwards. It's the act of putting the seed in the ground. And therefore, even though we all know that scientifically, when you put that seed in the ground, nothing is actually happening at that very moment. But nevertheless, that is the malacha. And therefore, even if you were to remove it, you just learned the Shabbos, it's also to go and put a seed in the ground. You quickly grab it back out, you're still violated. The wind comes along and blows it out, you've still violated. Still violated a unique feature of the malacha of Zorea. That's the position of the Minchas Chinuch. As soon as you put that seed in the ground, you're a chayiv. Look at number seven. In the Sefer Ta'oros, he quotes something fascinating. He says, now first, in the first part, he quotes this position of the Minchas Chinuch. And he says, so again, first he just quoted the position of the, the Minchas namely, that the Malach of Zorea doesn't require anything to actually happen with the seed. Rather, the moment I go ahead and I just place it in the ground, I'm chayif. I'm chayif for that. Now watch this. He says, Ach, but say, I'm in source number seven, one, two, three, four lines in. Ach, mashiyesh lefakfei kitsasu. So the Talora says, but I have a little bit of a problem with this, and I'll tell you why. Mishum, dahanotea b'shabes yichah ba'aretz, hukidei lehizgadel. And we'll say, when you put something in the ground, why are you putting it there? Why are you putting it there? To grow, right? That, that's, let's be clear on what the objective is, right? The objective is not to put a seed into the ground. The objective, ultimately, again, is for something to grow. He says, If you ever see the way they plant wheat, so when you take seed and you scatter it around, that's the bozer, right? You scatter it around. So what's the idea of scattering the seed? The idea over here is, I want something to grow. Imkain, Iker hamalacha she'asra Torah, so this is what it says. So the says, it doesn't make sense to say that the molacha is the placement of the seed in the ground. That's not my goal. My goal is for something to grow. That's my goal. And therefore the molacha of Zorea is, as we said before, say any act which causes, facilitates, or improves growth. Right, the Talorah says the Melech is not putting a seed in the ground. Putting a seed in the ground is inconsequential if nothing happens with it. The goal is putting the seed in the ground so it could grow. He says, V'cheva, listen to this. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. If you hold that the Iker Melech of Zuria is not the placement of the seed in the ground, rather, what is it? What is it? It's something growing. So, Bosa, you run into a technical issue, which is what? Which is what? How can you ever violate Zorea on Shabbos? Why? Why? Nothing's ever going to grow on Shabbos. In other words, anything you put on the ground in Shabbos is not growing on Shabbos. So if that's the case, how are you ever violating? So you're supposed to hear what's happening over here. So according to the Sefer, it makes a lot of sense. The Malacha of Zorea is putting a seed in the ground. That's it. You put a seed in the ground. That's the Malacha. Tell the Oral Son, say, that's not the Malacha. 
The malacha ultimately, again, is causing or facilitating growth. Well, no growth is happening on Shabbos. How are you in violation of this malacha? So listen to this. Rather, when does the growth take place? Growth takes place. When does growth take place? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, during the week. During the week. Nimsa she'in ze zorea onotea b'shabbos al b'chol. So it turns out that my act of planting a seed in the ground on Shabbos doesn't really do anything on Shabbos, but rather it literally lays the groundwork ultimately for growth after Shabbos. V'lama yechuyuv b'shabbos mishum zorea me'achar she'guf ha'isr da'hinu atzmicha v'agidul lo na'aseh bo'bayom. So again, why, why would I ever be chayyah for Zorea on Shabbos if at the end of the day none of the growth is happening on Shabbos itself? It's a good kasha. It's a good kasha. So, so skip down a little bit. Skip down. You see uh, one, two, three, four lines up from the bottom. Middle of the line, huadin. Hey, hey. You see that? So listen to this. So he says, huadin nami. So listen to this. So therefore, again, write the, write the Tal Oros. So rather, here's the way the Malacha works. That which you put on Shabbos, that which you plant on Shabbos, ultimately results in growth later on. He says, essentially, it's almost like retroactivity. That what ends up happening is, when that seed takes root on Tuesday, it turns out that when did the Maisa really begin? When did the act of sowing really begin? Shabbos. Shabbos. So I will say, so it turns out something amazing. According to the Tal Oros, if you plant the seed on Shabbos, technically speaking, you're not actually chayr for chil Shabbos until when? Until when? We'll call it Tuesday, 72 hours later. Then once the seed begins to germinate, it turns out that when did this act of germination, when did this act of sowing really begin? It began on Shabbos. So both say, yeah. Well, it's actually, could you just give me two stuff? So I was like, so now listen to this. Now I'm going to take your question. I'm sorry. So now you see this fundamental machlokis over here between the Minchas Chinuch and the Tal Oros. The Minchas Chinuch telling us that Halacha Lamaisa, one violates the Malacha of Zriya as soon as you place the seed into the ground. Because he holds that the Malacha is not the growth, the Malacha is the placement of the seed. The Tal Oros says, no, that's not true. The Malacha is the growth. And therefore, halacha l'maisa, halacha l'maisa, you're only chayiv when, you're only chayiv when, when the seed begins to germinate. I bet the seed begins to germinate on Tuesday. I'm just using Tuesday as an example. That is true. But once it does begin to germinate on Tuesday, then l'mafreya, retroactively, it turns out that you are chayiv on Shabbos. Now, both sides. Now, what I'll just mention to this is, there's an interesting nafkamino. Right? What'll be the nafkamino over here? What'll be the nafkamino over here? Oh, if the wind blew it out, or even better, or even better, Matzei Shabbos, Matzei Shabbos, I come and I remove the seed from the ground. Right? Again, you can't really do it on Shabbos, because let's say on Shabbos, you might run into a Muktzah issue, but Matzei Shabbos, I decide I want to become a Baal Tshuva. I go back to the field, I remove the seed. According to the Mincha, what's Salah, let's go through this. According to the Mincha, what's Salah? What's Salah? Mechaev. According to the Tal Oros, you are a potter. So whether the wind blows it out, whether the wind blows it out, or whether you go ahead and actively remove it yourself, halacha l'maysa, you would be putter from the malacha of Zorah. Yeah. Would the tower say that if you like, plant it on Thursday and now it's going to germinate on Shabbos, you know it's going to germinate on Shabbos? 
No, because that, that, then you can never plant anything. They never plant anything, right? Again, on Shabbos, remember, we don't have a problem with malacha occurring on Shabbos. The same reason that you could go ahead and have your food cooking on Shabbos also, right? Your food doesn't have to be fully cooked before Shabbos starts. Aye, but there's a Maisa Bishal. The Iker on Shabbos is you can't do malacha. You can't do malacha. We don't have a problem having malacha done on your behalf. Oh yeah, it could be according to Tal Oros that the seed just didn't take. So you just didn't take, right? This is the whole chab, actually. It's interesting. When, when people plant wheat, so they, that's what they do. They scatter, they scatter the seeds, recognizing that there are going to be seeds that do not take root. So, so it could very well be. It could very well be. I, I don't know how you would look at this, but it could very well be that according to Min Chasinoch, you're the chayev regardless for, I don't, know if you, I don't know if there's individual liability for each seed, or that's just called one maisa of seeding. But in Achinam, according to the Tal Oros, any seeds that do not take root, you would not be chayev for. Correct. Correct. Good. Excellent. All right. Good. So we'll say, so this is a fascinating machlokes, and you're going to see actually, interestingly enough, it's not just, again, obviously it's a profound machlokes because it's a definitional machlokes in the malacha. Like, what is the malacha itself, gufa? And we're going to see other ramifications. Yes, we can. Why you're not allowed to do this lest it comes to take roots? If it takes root, you're Why? Because you're saying it's not a definitive hasra? Yeah. I don't know. It's a good kasha. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's definitive enough. In other words, I, 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 it could be that also conditional hasra is only problematic if it's totally biyadcha. You may or may not do this. But Lamaisa, if your act is defined, but it's up to, I don't know, an act of God or act of nature, maybe that is called definitive Asra. But I don't know, I don't know. I, I didn't see him discuss the Asra piece. It's a good gasha. So both sides. So what I would tell you about this is, interestingly enough, this is actually brought down in the postkin. It's actually brought down in the postkin, which is actually quite interesting. Which is, so what happens, Lamaisa, if someone does put a seed? And I will say, by the way, I just want to point out to you, just so you understand, like we all think like, okay, this malach has nothing to do with me putting a seed in the ground, it has everything to do with us. I'll give you an example. You're going ahead and you're eating a, a plum outside, right? And now you finish the plum. So what do you want to do? Again, you just want to throw the, you want to throw the pit. You can't do that on Shabbos. You cannot discard a pit onto soil on Shabbos. That is the malacha of Zorea. You have an apple core, right? You, again, we'll say, again, or we'll say we're going to see, by the way, you have grapes. You're eating watermelon. You're eating watermelon. And you just want to spit out the seeds. You just want to spit out the seeds. Spitting out the seeds could be even a bit more problematic because there's saliva involved in that as well. And that might be other malachas involved as well. But the idea of just taking pits and just putting them down on the ground is halachically problematic. What I will point out is something very interesting. So, we'll say, so, so this machlokas, the tinamin chasinuch and the tal oros, is, is there, right? It's kind of hanging out there. So it is interesting. This one the contemporary post can bring down. And they say that essentially... We hold a safik da'araisa l'chumrah. So because we say safik da'araisa l'chumrah, how would we paskin? If we, right, how would you paskin? Minchas chinuch. Because that obviously is the more stringent position. So therefore, like, lemaisa, the way we paskin is, if you put a seed in the ground on Shabbos, you are chayi for violating a malacha da'araisa. Okay? That being said, the postkim say, however, that on Masih Shabbos, go back and take out the seed. Go back and take out the seed. Because like this, at, at least, at least according to one opinion, and, and by the Talor, it's not just one opinion, it's a school of thought, 
Now, according to that opinion, at least you've avirid the malacha. So again, so it's almost like halacha lemaisa, and it's kind of machlokis. So I have to go with the more chumradik opinion, which is a minchas chinuch. But, but cover your bases. Matzei Shabbos, remove the seed from the ground. So we'll talk about this a little bit. We'll talk about this. The, the, problem, the problem you're going to get into is bepashtus, the seed, once it hits the ground, is going to be mukta. The earth itself, if the seed is in the earth, is mukta. Maybe as a graph shall rape. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll see if there are ways that you could immediately remedy it. We'll talk. Take a look at number eight. So as you're in the Sefer Shvisa Shabbos, here it is. Tavlachosh l'svara harishona, he calls it Svar Yishona, but for us, he's referring to the Tal Oros. He says, So he quotes it over here, even though, really we're going to see the Me'ikar Adin, we pass like the Minchas Chinuch. And therefore, once you plant that seed, you have transgressed the Malacha Doraisa, but nevertheless, after Shabbos, go pick up the seed if you can. Okay, let's begin to look at the Shohonach. We'll say, here we go. And you're going to see, there are some really interesting ramifications of this. Number nine. You have to be careful about throwing seeds on the ground, throwing seeds on the ground in a place. means in a watered place. I will say, we're going to see, by the way, one of the common denominators between, there's going to be a lot of common things, common themes between Choresh and Zorea. One of the interesting common pieces is, just like Choresh only applies where? What type of earth? What type of earth? Earth that is capable of sustaining growth. Right? If you go out and you make a hole, remember in your sandbox, right, there's no malacha in that. If you make a hole in the desert, there's no malacha in that. Zorea is the same thing. Right? That's why the Shkonarch says over here on Shabbos, be careful about throwing seeds around, throwing seeds around in a place that has that, that is watered, right? That is capable of sustaining growth. Shesofan Latzmiach. Now the Quran says, so this, this is actually really interesting. He says, Dimyashlich Latanagolim. I have to feed my chickens. Why do you feed your chickens? Seed. Right? You feed them seed. They will say, so now here's my problem. So now my chickens are pecking around, right? And now again, the, the area where they are is technically speaking soil that could support growth. And now I'm throwing seed on the ground for them. So isn't that problematic? Isn't that problematic on Shabbos? So that's something very interesting. It says, if you're going to throw seed to your chickens, lo yashlich ele keshir shiyochlu bo bayom Make sure to only put out enough seed, the amount that they would consume for a day or two. Now, why does he say a day or two and not three? Germination. Germination, right? So just make sure that it's only enough seed that at most is going to last one or two days. Don't ever again, if, if the chickens are eating in a place where people walk around, there's no problem. Why? As well as since people are walking around there, pedestrian traffic is going to destroy any possibility of potential growth. So I'll say, let's take a look at this. Take a look at number, uh, so, so number 10, Mishnah Bura. So the Mishnah Bura, skip to the second Mishnah Bura, Lamed Beish, Shesofan Latzmiach, he says, Perish, Sheyitzmichu machmas harichuch kederach kol tvua, kishenosnim osa b'mayim, uitl kama osim yudalif, o efshar debizman meruba yishashu b'karka. So I'll say, so again, this is really like, again, it's not, it might not be so Lamaisa for us, if we're not uh, chicken farmers, right? But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, again, you have to feed your chickens on Shabbos. You're feeding them seed. You're throwing it on ground, on earth that technically speaking could grow stuff. So again, you have to be careful, says Mishnah Only put out enough that the chickens could consume within a day or two. Now look at Lamed Gimel, all the Yomayim. Because I will say, since the chickens are going to consume it within a day or two, 
nothing's going to take root. Now watch this. What's going to say? If you put out enough seed, that the seed could even be there for three days, this gets much more problematic, right? Because what are we concerned about now? That ultimately, again, the seeds are going to take root. And I will say, if the seeds end up taking root after three days, what happens? What happens? You're actually actively chayiv for zero. I will say, who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? Talro. So, say, so it, it is interesting that as much as midda araisa, we're going to paskin like the minchas chinuch, namely that the malacha of zoreya occurs as soon as you put a seed into the ground. We see the tal oros keeps coming up time and time again. We're concerned if you put too much seed out for the chickens. And it, and it ends up staying there for more than three days, or for three days or more. It's going to end up taking root, and halacha l'maisa retroactively going to be chayiv. He says, "Gam yomim." So we'll say, by the way, this is also we're going to talk about this more. Halacha just operates with this idea that the germination window is three days. Vida the mari the hishchas hazram b'pam achos dem lav hachi asr lahachin limehachol. So this is just interesting. Okay, it's good, good to know if you have chickens, which Lamai say is, also the assumption over here is you're throwing all the seed at once. If you're throwing the seed at different times, you may be running into two problems. Number one problem is Zorea. Number two problem is Hachana, preparing. Because technically speaking, if, if your first act of throwing, you threw enough seed for Shabbos, and now you throw again, and there's more, then you're actively preparing on Shabbos for the next day for Sunday. If it's all kind of in one fell swoop, even if it's more seed than you need for Shabbos, you may run into a problem of, of, of Zorea, but you won't run into a problem of Hachana. So we'll stop over here for tonight. Next week, we're back to regular schedule. Monday night, we're going to continue... I would just say like this, I'm going to have to see how in depth we're going to, we're going to get into this, because actually, one of the very interesting sugyas in Lamdus, in Lamdus, that comes up by the Malach of Zoreah, is actually the sugya of Atzitz Nakov and Atzitz She'ino Nakov. Perforated flower pots, non-perforated flower pots, again, it gets into some interesting contemporary shots with hydroponics, right? Do hydroponics have Malach of Zoreah? So I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to see... I'm going to see how in depth we're going to get there because I'm trying to keep this a bit more, a bit more lemaisa, and we certainly like to move a little bit at a, at a faster pace for some of our earlier malachas. But all right, Imir Hashem, stay tuned for next week. Rabbi, could you say that?